Welcome everybody to the monthly movie dispatch, the show that we do weekly. Uh, sorry, <laughs> the the movie review show from friends that you can trust. Every week we broadcast a review of a new film, talk about some film news, and recommend what to watch. We've been talking, critiquing, and gushing about movies since we were young tykes in high school. We aim to bring you honest conversation about relevant cinema. And honestly, we just love talking about movies. I'm here. I'm Nick Moffat, and I'm here with Sean Bowlby. What's happening, Sean? Hey, not a lot. Just hanging out. Nice. Just hanging out, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm pretty eager to talk about the movie today. Today, we're going to be talking about Candyman, the new horror movie by director Nia DaCosta. Mm hmm. It's one of these legacy sequels, sequel from the, yeah. I think the first Candyman came out in the early 90s, I yeah, think 90, 91, something like that. 92 or so, yeah. 92. And uh, yeah, I think there were three in the initial run, and then this is kind of one of those legacy sequels. And, yep. you know, spoiler alert, I think it was done right. I think this is kind of yeah. pretty cool way to do a sequel, but. Yeah, definitely. Um, before we get into the show or going into our review, I kind of want to you know, spend a few minutes talking about a few other things. But first of all, I want to talk about the director, Nia DaCosta. Mm-hmm. She's just an um, up-and-coming director. She's a um, black woman. Um, I think this is her second movie. Her first one being, um, it was called Little Woods. Mm-hmm. Have you seen or heard of Little Woods? I have um, not. And uh, yeah, I don't. I don't remember hearing about it uh, until after um, being aware of can- this Candyman. So, yeah, I missed that one. I saw it. I saw it when it came out. It came out like two years ago, I think, 2018, 2019, around there. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, it's a small drama. You know, it was um, pretty. I wasn't blown away by it, but it was kind of one of those movies where you watch it and you're like, okay, this director has promise. Mm-hmm. Not my favorite movie. But there definitely was like skill and some cool stuff and some rel- some important themes that they were working with, great acting and stuff. But nice. yeah, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't my you know it wasn't my favorite movie that year, not even close. But you know, it, it was it was solid. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just wanted to take a minute to celebrate her because uh, she was the first black woman to open the box office at number one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's. Um... Shocking and uh, impressive. Shocking uh, that she's the first yes. after all this time. Yeah. Yes. Um, um, I mean, it's kind of funny because we're still in the pandemic like time frame. The the box office all sorts of uh, wonky a little bit right now. Still, mm-hmm. um, the movie opened with twenty point four million dollars. Yeah. Uh, funny enough, this she actually um, she, she's the first number one, but she's the second highest uh, the. I'm sorry. This movie, Candyman, was the first, was the second highest um, domestic opening of from a black woman, but um, the other one being oh, um, yeah. Wrinkle in Time. So uh-huh. Ava DeFrenny's Wrinkle in Time actually grossed more its opening weekend, mm-hmm. but it was still number two behind Black Panther, okay. which was still yeah. in a dominating run. Yeah. Interesting. The year that came out. Yeah. And just for context, though, too, the. Um, I believe the budget for this movie was around $20 million. Um, whereas I'm sure wrinkle in time was hundreds of millions or over a hundred million for sure. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure wrinkle in time was kind of considered a bomb because it yeah, did not yeah, make as much as mm-hmm. its but, budget. Yeah. But this one is, it's seeming in, in spite of, uh, you know, COVID era, it's seeming to be a success at the box office, assuming not there isn't a huge drop off. Yeah, I mean, even even at this point, I think just how much it made opening weekend, if that's mm-hmm. its box office gross, you know, I think it's yeah. doing pretty good, you know, yeah. because it's not even considering the home rentals and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, it's it's pretty interesting, though. I mean, uh, Ava DuVernay was just bringing it back to her really quick. She was the first uh, black female director to helm a $100 million movie. Yeah. So even though it was a bomb, you know, she was the first one to ever do it. And um, Nia DaCosta, her next movie after Candy after Candyman is uh, going to be the Marvels. Mm -hmm. So she's going to do a Marvel movie after this, the sequel to sequel to uh, Captain Marvel, which seems to be every young independent filmmakers uh, career trajectory these days. 
you do a successful small indie movie and then you jump onto a Marvel movie. It is it is a pattern. Yep. I don't hate it. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited. There there's uh, you know, Chloe Zhao and um now this this one uh <clears throat> Yeah. I mean, we're not here to talk we're not here to talk about Marvel, yeah. but there is something about um that strategy mm-hmm. in that it's like it's interesting because Marvel all of their movies kind of look the same, mm-hmm. you know, and all of their action scenes are kind of yeah. similar style. And I often think that, you know, they might have other people directing the action and they might yes. bring in these indie directors to do the the mm-hmm. acting and the yeah. working with actors and the, the, the tone of the movie more mm-hmm. so than anything else. And I think you could see that in movies like Black Panther yeah. and like Thor Ragnarok and uh, yeah. Um, and hopefully the Eternals and, and the Marvels, I know nothing about Marvel, the Marvels, but, um, yeah. Yeah. I know a bit, but some thematic and, uh, and some kind of visual experimentation would be nice in the Marvel movies. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm most looking forward to Eternals to see how that like, um, definitely. You know, to see how much of Chloe Zhao's uh, style uh, shines through in the MCU. Mm-hmm. But enough about the MCU. We don't need to talk about that today. Um, I, I really just, I'm really excited to talk about this movie that we're going to talk about today. I'm kind of struggling a little bit. We talked about this off off mic, and the yeah. whole thing about Sea Man is that uh, you're not supposed to say his name looking in the mirror. You say his yeah. name five times, he shows up and kills you. And you know we're not looking at a mirror right now, but we're looking at our yeah. computer screens. I can see myself in it. Yeah. So I might have to be cover careful. myself up with a piece of paper or something. I think I'm just gonna okay. say Sea Man from now okay. on. Just just to just to be safe about yeah. it. You know, you, we'll, sh- trick, we'll trick him. We'll trick him. Don't say his name. We'll say Don't C-Man. say his name. <laughs> But yeah, I uh, I wanted to bring up a couple other things. The <laughs> you ever see those tweets going around that are like I don't know if you ever even go on Twitter, but there's there's that thing of uh, you know how I know you haven't seen this movie. This is how, and uh, one of those tweets that was going around were people people complaining about how Seaman, this new one, is too political, and it's like well how do I know you haven't seen the original one? This whole series is, is steeped in um, political themes. You know, mm-hmm, it's, definitely. it's very much a uh, series about um, racism and mm-hmm. um, you know, the struggles of black people and mm-hmm. the um, I, I mean, there, there's a lot to unpack with all these movies. And before we move on from talking about um, Nia DaCosta, I just wanted to bring up an article that she that she uh, she was she was interviewed by the Guardian, and the Guardian was talking about in this article. She was talking about how um, when she was on set, she actually did experience um, some racism. You know, even though she was the director and the person that's kind of in charge, uh, and the the producer of the movie was Jordan Peele. Mm-hmm. But apparently, those were the only two black people on set uh, besides the actors. I don't want to say on set, but they were mm-hmm. the two people in leadership roles. Yeah. But there was a lot of other people, mostly white people on set. And there's a kind of a, there's a theme in this new Seaman movie um, about artists and the main character is an artist. And he, it's like, uh, just to quote the guardian article that I have here. Um, the other key target of Dacosta's Seaman is the art is the art world, which is presented as an exclusive, money-fueled realm policed by white critics, agents, and gallerists. To boost his appeal, Anthony is encouraged to incorporate more hood themes in his art. Could we draw parallels with the film industry here? And she went on to say, it's not necessarily overtly racist, but it is shocking the way people have talked to me in my position as a director, people who work for me especially on a movie like this, where Jordan was the only other person of color at the level of decision-making on the movie. And that's unacceptable, frankly. She talks about crass comments about black hair. She recalls a time she was outside waiting for her assistant one night and a white male crew member jokingly asked if she was hooking to make money on the side. 
And these are, you know, these are kind of what you call microaggressions. You know, these are like mm -hmm. small things that people think are jokes, but really it's, um, you know, it's, it's subtle racism and yeah. it's, um, it just, you know, it's surprising, uh, seeing that from someone who's, I mean, she's the boss. She's in yeah, charge. Definitely. That is, that's super shocking. Uh, I mean, coming at, at this as a white person, maybe I'm, you know, kind of ignorant to a lot of the way, way people are treated, but you know, that is super shocking, especially being on film sets frequently. And, uh, you know, people on at higher up levels, you know, you, you definitely have a level of respect and, um, you know, it's just, it's shocking that someone would talk to their boss that way. Uh, and, you know, at any point. Yeah. And the, I think the 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 bigger thing that I kind of wanted to bring up before we get into this review is that me and you we are two white guys. Yeah. And I was kind of talking to my wife about whether or not me and you should actually review this movie. Like, are mm -hmm. we the voices that should be broadcasting a review of this movie that's for black people, made by mm -hmm. black people, mm -hmm. and. I mean, basically, at the end of the day, like our podcast is not big enough, doesn't draw like mm -hmm. doesn't draw people like isn't going to turn the needle on anything. It's it's OK that we're talking about this yeah. movie. Um, and especially because I think we have mostly positive things to say. And I mean, mm -hmm. it's OK to critique things even if we don't have positive things to say. But mm -hmm. I think that it's important to acknowledge that um, we aren't. Um, we you know we we have our um i guess we have our limitations mm -hmm. and uh we're trying to understand uh um the culture that this movie is for mm -hmm. and i i don't want to speak for that culture because i'm not from that culture but i think that i think this movie's pretty great and i'm excited to talk about the the themes of this movie and you know, the horror aspects of this movie as well. Yeah, definitely. And, and my uh, approach to to this um, is that what we're doing on this podcast and the way I've always seen our podcast is, you know, and even like the name of our podcast, The Monthly Movie Dispatch, is more for um, trying to show and talk about what movies we think people should see and what movies we think, you know, people should be talking about. And... Um, we are certainly far from, uh, you know, the people who should be really examining the movie and um, its effect on culture and, and how it's reflecting culture um, and, and the world around us. Uh, we're far from experts in those subjects, but I think what we can do and what I think, um, you know, is just what we always do with with any movie is just talk about what we like about the movie and talk about um, whether or not we think people should see this movie um, and then probably explore a little bit of what we liked about it and, and talk a, probably a little bit about its themes. But, um, you know, I'm definitely really not going to try to dig into what this movie means to anyone or or um or, or you know what it says about society as a whole um or where it's, it's certainly not where it's coming from sure but i mean i think this movie is pretty like explicit in some mm -hmm. of its themes i think we yeah. can talk about some yeah, of the themes definitely. and how yeah, it's yeah. how it's pretty it's pretty uh obvious what some of the things they're they're where they're coming from mm -hmm. and uh i mean i also it's like it's i think it's important to say that this franchise is very from what i've understood like i've seen documentaries i've read a lot about horror movies i'm a, I'm a big horror movie fan from what i understand Candyman, the original one is very important to the yeah. black community because uh i mean he's one of the he's one of the only uh horror icons or you know, icons in pop culture, especially from the nineties, who's, uh, who's a black man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And actually over the last few days, I've, um, read and watched, uh, quite a bit about, 
the Candyman franchise. I just, you know, this movie got me really interested in it. And um, <clears throat> it's, it's, and then I actually uh, watched for the first time the first Candyman uh, a couple, a few days ago, um, which I, I very much enjoyed. And uh, it's a very interesting movie. Um, but kind of the history of that movie is, is it's based on a Clive Barker um, anthology book series so it's a it was a short uh a a, uh, no i'm not sure if you'd say a short story or a novella um but it's a part of this little this anthology um and originally it was set in liverpool in england and um it the candy man was not a uh black character um uh, it was kind of described as almost, I don't know, maybe a more demonic type, um, type looking character. Um, and it was meant to explore kind of folklore, um, and urban legends, uh, as well as mainly classism, uh, in, in, uh, in England. Um, and then, uh, let me, who was the, who was the, writer director of the first one it was um bernard rose who is from liverpool uh took that source material and uh applied it to chicago um the what is it the cabrera green district in chicago um, where the movie takes place and and he kind of decided to um to have the the Candyman character be a, a black man um, are you keeping track of how many times I've said it yet, Nick? Cause yeah, I, I was I've actually going to warn you, you're, you're getting pretty close. I think you're at like uh, four, so oh, you, no. you better watch out, Sean. You oh, better watch man. out, man. I'm, I'm not going to make it. I'm, I'm going to forget <laughs> and, uh, I'm not going to oh, make no. it. I know. Oh, no. All right. I'm not, I'm not looking at myself now though. Um, okay. but anyway, so yeah, the, um, so it was, it's kind of interesting how that all came about and how, um, yeah, I guess that it kind of took that turn and, and it, he brought in a bunch of, a, a lot of, um, you know, racial themes and, and ideas and, um, uh, but you know, it, it certainly is still from the white perspective. It's, uh, it's a white woman doing a, um, I guess her thesis on urban legends and the, um, the seaman, uh, there you go. <laughs> the seaman uh, uh, folk tale or the the urban legend um, that was going around uh, in this black community, um, right? Because in a lot of ways, it's like still a white savior movie. Yes, definitely. Right? Like, it, and like as even though this movie is very important, the original was very important to the black community. It mm-hmm. still had some tropes and some ideas that are rooted in like kind of subtle racism. Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, yeah, it's it's all throughout the movie as well. There's some kind of um, sexual, um, you know. Well, isn't the movie about isn't the movie about like an artist who um, doesn't he like paint uh, or see or dates a, a a white woman and then he's like killed and that's the no. that's the so, Candyman or something from that one. Um, the first one is just about this woman who is a um, who is writing her thesis. Um, about urban legends and she for her thesis um, is researching the Candyman um, or the legend of Candyman and she is going throughout this Cabrera Green neighborhood and um, talking to people and um, and just trying to find out more about it about this myth Um, and then she kind of gets sucked into the myth and um, I thought that's what the myth was. I thought the myth was um, was an artist who had like been with a white woman and was like killed, and that the, no, the that seaman was his ghost sequel. or something. I believe a okay. sequel, um, like the third one, I think had something to do with a, a an artist. Um, okay. But not definitely not this one. This there wasn't really much art aside from graffiti. Um, in, in the first one um, and it actually is the they in the the new Candyman movie they uh, they tell pretty much her whole story but from 
the per, almost from the perspective of the of the community uh, rather right. that so like in the original she's a much more sympathetic character and where she is clearly um and that's uh, Virginia Madsen's character. Yes, Helen I think is her the character's name. Um which don't say her name five times either. Uh <clears throat> and uh but yeah, so it's, it's the you get pretty much her whole story and she's the one who well, I don't I mean maybe we don't get too into Yeah, we don't need to get too it, we but... don't need to get too into it, but I did I did want to bring up like how um even though like I haven't seen any of the other Canada movies, this was my first one, the 2021 version. But what, one thing I loved about this version was how it played with mythology. Mm -hmm. You know, it um, very much was, you know, you're just to kind of reiterate what you're talking about. There's an early scene in this movie where, yeah, they're in the Cabrini green neighborhood, which uh, in the first movie where it took place in the same neighborhood, but it was mostly just the projects. And in this movie, the projects are torn down and there's luxury condos that are built up, which mm -hmm. is which echoes real life. And there's a scene where uh, one of her one of the main characters, brothers, uh, he's he tells the story of um, this woman you're talking about, Hel Helen. Mm -hmm. And it's like he's like, you want to hear a scary story? It reminds me of that uh, horror movie that me and Derek saw last year, Scare Me. Mm -hmm. Where the movies later like telling scary stories to each other, but they do this cool. Um, wh how would you describe that? It's like this cool. It's not a montage, but it's like a. It's almost like an. It's like an animated kind of um, yeah, storytelling like shadow puppets. Um, yeah, yeah. But like the the shadows are you know you almost might see not not shadow puppets. Um, in that they're not hand, hand puppets or yeah, like, like hand movements yeah, like not shadow hand puppets. I think they shadow puppets like, is. Yeah, I guess they're shadow puppets, but they're like cut out of, they're almost like cut out of paper, some kind of paper and, yeah. and moved by hands. And you can see all the, you know, there's like little wires going to, um, going to the, the cutouts to, to manipulate them. And, and you can it's see It's a very hands. stylized way of yeah, telling this story. Really it's, cool. And really yeah, creepy. And, and that's, but it's a way of like building in mythology. Like they're mm -hmm. talking about this thing that happened in the same neighborhood like years ago. And I mean, that's what, that's the kind of the catalyst to get the main character involved and interested in the movie. But there, there's a few other times in the movie where they, they play with the same kind of concept and not just with that story that happens in the first movie. They imply that Seaman goes a lot further back. There are instances of Seaman throughout the, history of america basically mm -hmm. and yeah. um they they go over a few of them and then you know i don't want to sp I, it's not really spoiled the end credits is mm -hmm. very stylized as well yeah. and the end credits they go over some more of these uh potential mm -hmm. Candyman situations yeah and it's like it's a it's a very cool beautiful style like yeah. again super stylized yeah. it's like a it's one but honestly like top five end credits i've ever seen yeah, like it was a really cool end credit watch. sequence and it just added more to the the mythology of seaman yeah. and yeah. what he could be and how he could be out there and why he's out there too mm, definitely seaman our review yet though I know we're kind of jumping around a little uh, bit, but uh, yeah. I had just another real quick quote here from that Guardian article where Seaman uh, is. Um, uh, where is that quote? Um, I don't know. If, actually, I don't have it in front of me, so never mind. But um, it's I don't know. I don't have it in front of me. But the I just think it's I think they just that's kind of that's part of what I was talking about when I was saying a legacy sequel. Mm -hmm. Like I just really liked how they yeah. incorporated the the uh the first film, the previous versions of this movie as um canon in this movie. So I will also say my understanding is so the the book never gives Seaman a backstory and um and doesn't really ha give him any kind of origin. Um, and certainly not the origin that the movie gives. The first movie is what gave him that, that um, origin story of, of falling in love with a, uh, with a white woman, uh, the painter who falls in love with the white woman. Oh wait, is that what you were talking about? That's what I was talking about. Oh, 
So that this that's like the old like from the early 1800s. Sorry, I thought that's you were what saying, I was trying to say. Was yeah, that the the Seaman myth uh-huh. was like yeah, this? Okay, okay. That I was super confused. Um, uh, so yes, that the it that's not the story of the first Seaman movie. That's just it's the backstory of the, the character backstory of the character that they explain yes. in the first movie. Yes, okay. that's what I was trying to talk yeah. about. That's what yes, I was trying yes. to say. That's um, the backstory of yes, Seaman. But I believe uh, the next two movies are actually not um, not really canon in this movie. Um, I feel and, like and they could or couldn't be. They just take place somewhere else, right? They, like a, yes, the they second do, one takes place in New Orleans. I believe there's a couple contradictions with especially with how he got his name, which, you know, that uh, obviously that does make sense with um, folk legends and uh, folk tales. um, They kind of allude to that in this movie. Mm -hmm. Like in this movie, there's that scene towards the end where he's going, uh, he's saying there have been many different Candyman. He he alludes that there wasn't just this one that you're dealing with right at this moment. There's, yeah, there's a whole history of them. And, that's true, but the, the again, it's just the to me, it's like can't... folklore. It's mythology. It's that's true. whatever so you want. So maybe it to doesn't be. explicitly, but I don't think it's really. It, this movie makes the sequels a part of it, and my understanding is that the sequels largely become, um, you know, all the gore without any of the meaning or purpose. Um, they largely do away with the. Um, kind of the, the thematic undertones of, of the original. And yeah, and, I mean, that's uh, any horror sequel, honestly. Sure. I mean, I'm just, you know, the, I just wanted they, to point that out that um, totally. And, and I've even heard that, especially the, the third one, it can be, can be skipped. So, okay. um, well, we got to yeah. get to the review yes, of this movie. Do. I know we've been kind of beating around the bush a little bit on talking mm-hmm. about aspects of it, but we should, you know, let me just set the table for it really quick. Um, like I said, this movie's Candyman. Um, it stars Yaha Abdul Mateen II, Tiona Paris, and Nathan Stewart Jarrett, a few other people too. The plot summary Anthony and his partner move into a loft of the new gentrified Cabrini. After a chance encounter with an old timer exposes Anthony to the true story behind Seaman, he unknowingly opens a door to a complex past that unravels his own sanity and unleashes a terrifying wave of violence. So we saw this in theaters. I think it's only available in theaters right now. I believe so, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we've already been talking about a lot of the themes and going around it. But, yeah, Sean, I thought this movie was pretty great. You know, I, I picked this movie because it had great trailers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I really like supporting um, black artists, black movies, and I love horror movies. So that's why I picked this movie. But, um, you know, I didn't think this was necessarily the scariest movie ever. Like, I don't think it reached... The levels of like hereditary or mm-hmm. other like modern uh you know modern classic like, horrors um, yeah um oh shoot uh his house it came out last year around yeah his time. house was probably better than this yeah. but um, or at least scarier i was sure i was terrified sure. <laughs> watching yeah his house was very scary but so i didn't necessarily think this one was that like you know bone chilling scary and they didn't use any jump like jump scares at all which i appreciated Mm -hmm. not the biggest fan necessarily but i still did think it had some really good visuals i thought the tone was pretty unsettling the entire time Mm -hmm. um some cool gore some interesting visual effects and like we've been talking about already for 20 minutes the the themes of this movie echoed out Mm -hmm. and i thought the themes kind of elevated this into something that was pretty special absolutely i i totally agree with everything you said um i even think like you know i think people have said several times that um this is not only just a good sequel but it it really adds to and builds upon the original in some really interesting ways and and one way um is i i actually think that seaman um is a lot more uh grounded in this movie um in that the way that he's portrayed um, is a lot more consistent, I guess. Whereas in the first one, he was just kind of there and and anywhere and everywhere, and he could be seen by the camera 
and by anyone who was around. Um, and he, uh, he didn't really seem to have a whole lot of rules to him. Whereas in this one, I loved the decision to make it so not, not even the audience could see him unless he was in a mirror. Uh, or unless it was a reflection of him. Um, and there were some really cool scenes yeah. where where someone would see him in the mirror, but then they would like leave the room mm -hmm. and then the other person in the room would get killed by him. But it'd be like, yeah. like, let's say he like picked someone up by the neck. They uh -huh. would just like float up into yeah. the sky and then their neck would like crack yeah. or something. Yeah. Like there were some really cool visuals. Yeah, uh, for using, sure. Like that, invisible kind of technology. And it, yeah, it, it made for some really great, scary, um, really intense moments where, you know, you you never know where he is or where he's gonna, what mirror or what reflection he's gonna pop out of. Um, and I think like um, to compare it to the Invisible Man, um, where it was just like some really cool. Um, not f I don't want to say fight sequences and especially invisible man it was a lot more actiony but um where it just it just seeing someone be killed by a an invisible being is just really scary and yeah. uh really visually striking to to see um and I thought it was a really great decision and uh and made for some really fun uh but but you know, cringy <laughs> kills uh, in this movie. They played with the concept in some interesting ways too. Like there was that scene in the bathroom where yes. there was like four girls who said his name five times in the bathroom. And then they're like, "Ah, hey, nothing happened." And then they kind of started bullying this other girl who came into the bathroom after them. And the girl went into the stall and put her headphones on. And then the door was locked. And then one of the four girls that said his name walked back over to the mirror and then just like was yeah. killed off yeah. screen and you could like uh, see blood dripping and like yeah. they just played with that sort of image of like yeah just don't go in front of the mirror but these yeah. girls like couldn't help themselves yeah and uh but then there was another girl one of those girls had um a like a makeup kit and she could see him in the mirror of the makeup uh -huh. kit it's like little things like that where like yeah. what you're talking about they they had the movie had rules he had rules mm -hmm. that he was following but the characters still stumbled into them. Yes, definitely. Um, and yeah, I think it really made for some, it, it, the one that, the other one that really stands out is when he gets into the, the elevator that's just covered in mirrors. Um, and, you know, and as soon as he walks in, you you just know that you're in for some, some big scares and it's going to be really intense. But, uh, that, that was the kind of stuff that this movie did really well. Um, you know, just a really deft hand as a filmmaker. Um, and it just, yeah, it, it was just a, a super cleverly put together movie uh, in virtually all all aspects, I, I thought. Yeah. Do you want to get into spoilers a little bit? Because there's a few things I want to talk about specifically. Um, and yeah. at this point. Yeah, I, I, I sure. Yeah, let's get into spoilers. Um, I mean, if, I you, if you have really other things. Liked... I definitely really like the about. movie. Um, we already talked about some of the the touched on some of the themes. Um, totally. But yeah, this movie definitely expands upon them. And I think, I think even makes them more interesting in a lot of ways and um, makes it, you, you know, the, the first one uh, as interesting as it was in its themes, it, it did also have some, some problems with it for sure. Um, this one really seemed like they knew what they were doing and what they wanted to do with it and where they wanted to take it for a mar for a, a today's audience um, and especially for the audience that they were going for um, you know the, I, in um, some articles I read today they, they talked a lot about how this this and actually get out largely um, in a lot of ways started it that these are our movies horror movies for uh you know a, a black audience and so you don't have like your your um luke skywalker character who needs to introduce the white people into this black community um 
or you know you don't have a care need to have that white character introducing you it's it's because it's not necessarily directly for that white audience that that doesn't have an understanding of what this movie's about um and yeah i think yeah. that makes for a much more interesting well you know in, in its own it certainly uh, you know the first one was interesting in its own way but um especially for today's world it, it makes for a much more interesting um experience I mean, the, the, I think the movie was like kind of heavy handed with uh, some of the themes they were talking about. I mean, for for example, like gentrification, that was like mm -hmm. a pretty big theme in this movie. And it was they had a conversation about gentrification right at the start of the movie. Mm -hmm. um, and I appreciated the conversation. I thought it was great. And they kind of broke down how it happens and how, they're, they're, like I said, the main character is an artist and they kind of go over how artists um Mm -hmm. kind of speed up gentrification sometimes but that's also because the government's helping them speed it up sometimes mm -hmm. it's or, yeah, like the, the what um i forget which character it was but they say that um yeah it's the artists who are moving in and and taking the neighborhoods from the the impoverished you know minority communities whereas yeah it, it's these policies and systematic racism that has Anyways, yeah, that was a super. In, that was a really interesting conversation. Yeah, and then another big theme that happened that kind of echoes through the movie is like generational trauma, which like I don't really want to get into right now because I feel like that's partially a spoiler. But mm -hmm. it's it's something that you know, for me at least, being able to hey, I saw this horror movie uh, over the weekend, and then tell people like my parents, I was telling my family that I saw Candyman, but I'm able to like talk about relevant, important themes that are going on in the world and. Like my dad was like, "What's generational trauma?" And I would mm -hmm. kind of give me an opportunity to talk to him about what what that means. Yeah. So, you know, I just I I, I just really love when horror movies do this when yeah. uh, they use horror as a vehicle to tell definitely a story it about. Seems like we're something getting a else. lot of that right now too. I think loving horror it. has I'm been like it. that for yeah. a long time. Like I think it go kind of comes and goes, but you're right. Mm -hmm. Like there have been a, a a slew of those lately. Yeah. Um, for sure. Cool. So should we go into spoilers a little bit? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So from this point on, uh, spoilers. Wait, real quick. Sean, what would you give this movie? Oh, yeah. As stars. Um, yeah, I, I'd go four, four and a half. Um, I, I really liked it. There's like, I, I guess I will say there was a couple bits and pieces that I, I thought maybe were a little clunky, maybe a little, um, a little, some scenes that felt a little stiff in a little bit in performance and a little bit how they were kind of shot and uh and put together but um so maybe that it, it, i would definitely say high four maybe over time will and, and actually as i'm i've been like thinking about the movie and and kind of researching the history of the series it's it's definitely bumping more up into a four and a half for nice. me so yeah i'm a solid four right now but mm -hmm. uh yeah i I highly recommend it for anyone who likes horror yeah, movies. Definitely. For sure. So uh, after this point on, let's spoilers, spoiler conversation from this point on. So Sean, uh, one of the big things with this movie, the main character is named is Anthony played by uh, Yeah Abdul Mateen II. Mm -hmm. I thought he did a really great job. So he was the, um, they reveal it later on, you know, halfway two-thirds of the way through the movie that um in the first Candyman movie which i haven't seen that you just watched um there's a a baby that's almost thrown into a fire mm -hmm. and they talk about that baby they talk about that story at the beginning of this seaman movie and um turns out he is that child right so he has a history with this mythology yes um and i've uh yeah i think you you might have if you had seen the, the first movie and were um you know kind of knew it well you might be, have been able to see that coming because the baby is named anthony in the first movie and um so maybe it wasn't a spoiler as much yeah i, don't I, mean, know, I, I kind of felt like it was a spoiler because yeah i the, just the movie like the movie kind of was built as a mystery a little bit mm -hmm. like you didn't know 
he was trying to figure out the he yeah. he was like investigating similar to the first movie it sounds like the the myth and he kept getting deeper and deeper into it and um there were actually some parts where the people that were dying were people that were like bothering him or close to him like the art mm-hmm. gallery owner who was yeah. rude to him the critic who was writing a terrible review of him and yeah, the there were these people these are the people that are dying and they kind of did the horror movie thing where you're like maybe he's actually the one that's killing them maybe seaman mm-hmm. doesn't even necessarily exist or something and then uh no it's it's like blatant that he is you know he is a deadly monster yes a definitely. ghost or whatever yeah um yeah it, but it's also interesting because um the the story that is told in the 21 2021 candy man oh that might have been five times yeah and I have myself up on the screen. All right, it's over. I'm I'm done for. I might as well just embrace it. We could um, just be like the people in the movie that get killed. Like nothing happened. Yeah. We're okay. We'll yeah. be fine. Um, but uh, it, the the way it's told in in this new Candyman is uh, uh, is actually different from how the movie is the first movie. So it's it that especially in the ending. Um, it's the, the scary story is told slightly differently, um, in this one. Uh, so I thought that was really interesting and it, it kind of adds to this idea that, uh, these urban legends are very fluid and, and they're passed down in an oral tradition and, um, kind of change and, and, um, become something different, uh, over time, um, so I, th- I thought that was a, an interesting little little tweak that they did for it. Um, yeah, I loved the I loved the ending of this movie and how yeah. it was like that. There, there's a few aspects of police brutality that that echo out through this movie. A few examples that happen in this, and part of the ending is, you know, they the cop basically puts the main that puts, um, um puts Tayona Paris's character in the cop car and is basically mm-hmm. like your boyfriend did this but either uh either you admit you tell us everything that happened or we're gonna say you did you're an accomplice mm-hmm. and then he like came back from the dead <laughs> like he turned into Candyman and yeah. just like slaughtered like 10 cops or whatever and in pretty brutal fashion and um I just thought that was a really great ending yes uh, <laughs> I, I've said this, I feel like I've said this a few times, uh, in recent reviews, but God damn it. This movie knew how to fucking end. Yeah. That was, Oh God. Um, yeah, just that whole scene, um, the way it plays out and kind of even the slow realization of like what she was doing and, um, and, um, how it, how it worked and, and how, kind of the reveal of how she was hoping for it to work and then mm-hmm. yeah those all those kills were great and then Rick as the Candyman showed up because she was saying his name in the mirror yeah, yeah. she was kind of playing the cop being like I'll yeah. tell you everything just let me look at myself in the yeah. mirror yeah definitely oh, and then yeah. and then he the cop says it the last time uh, and then yeah he comes Candyman comes and kills everyone and then that last line just in the that like candy man voice just says tell everyone and then the yeah. movie just ends it was just yeah super powerful um right. absolutely loved it. it it brought everything together in such a intense interesting way and uh it just really it was just you know kind of a drop the mic moment um just leaves you leaves you oh yeah and then it like cuts to the the those shadow puppet um yeah the end credits yeah end credits i um just like was so cool i really um appreciated um basically like what you're talking about i I loved the i love the concept of um saying his name and spreading the word Mm -hmm. you know it's like it kind of ties into some of these social justice things of like mm-hmm, sp- spread definitely. the word on what happened to these people. Yeah. Like, but instead it's like spread the word on, um, yeah. you know, this guy that's going to come and kill you, but it's still the same kind of thing. Um, 
the uh that quote that i had earlier that i couldn't that i couldn't say um was something about um how Candyman is like he's america's racist past coming to haunt you yeah and um that's kind of the thing of spreading spreading the word spreading yeah. saying his name and stuff and um i you know it, ultimately the movie you know i thought kind of i loved the end like i loved those last 20 minutes i didn't love the like 20 25 minutes that came before that like to me that's that's the kind of the part of the movie that got kind of clunky for me yeah it was um that actor he's been in a bunch of stuff um blank as coleman domingo mm -hmm. he he was the guy who like told anthony about the whole myth in the beginning of the movie yeah. um he kind of like it was ultimately like his plan to get Anthony to come back. And uh, he wanted the police to come and kill him to spark like a new seaman yeah. mass murder streak, um, which is ultimately what happened. But I, his whole reveal kind of uh, was a little clunky for me, but um, ultimately it's, it's one of those things where the ideas were there and I, I love the idea so much. I'm not that bothered with the clunkiness of it. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't disagree. That was um, one of the things I was talking about when I mentioned earlier that there was some clunkiness and some um, some issues that I have with the movie. Um, but yeah, I think um, I think overall, I, I, I liked um, I liked that. Maybe not how particularly how it was executed, but the idea of bringing back the um, the, this urban legend, uh, for a new generation and a new, uh, a new time and the twist of Candyman becoming, uh, Candyman becoming almost a, a hero, a, a folk hero at this point. Um, whereas, you know, the first one, he is a, he's a straight villain. He's never, never really portrayed as a, as, as kind of someone who's going to save the day or, or anything like that. And I liked that twist of, of turning Candyman into the symbol of someone who can empower the community and can, um, build the racist cops. Yeah. Well, that too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and it's, it's symbolic in a lot of ways. Um, one of which is, is giving, folk tales and folk heroes um what gives them power and th this was a theme all the way from the first one too you know it, he's almost a a uh a an urban legend or a folk tale manifested physically um and i like that idea again like the the past trauma the generational trauma um of hundreds of uh, you know if it if it started with that first um, story of the painter, you know, hundreds of years of, of trauma has been manifested into this one symbol of, of this, this, um, this character, the candy man. And he, yeah, I just, I really like that idea of, of bringing him into the new generation and, and kind of creating, making him a symbol of power and a symbol of, you know, um, yeah, I don't know. No, I, I know, I know what you mean. It's like he became an anti-hero. Yeah, he became, yeah, um, and you know, I think like I, I was reading about like the end credits that we keep talking about. They showed different um, possible Candyman. They showed uh, uh, the internet's calling it like the Candyman Hive. Yeah. And uh, the people that they, according to Wikipedia, at least, they, they have examples of who those people are. I mean, one of them is Anthony. Another one's Sherman from the first movie. Mm -hmm. But um, another one's George Stinney. And the other one's James Bird Jr. And both of them are people, real people, who were, um, like, James Bird was uh, murdered by three white supremacists in Texas. And it was mm. a pretty brutal murder. And um, then George Stinney, I mean, this happened in 1944. He was 14 years old and he was uh, unfairly convicted of murdering two white girls. 
mm-hmm. and he got the electric chair, you know, and uh, these are what they're saying are things that like examples of what could, you know, turn these these guys could turn into uh, turn into Candyman. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's so interesting. Um, one thing I've, I've heard um, people say uh, recently is they would uh, that Candyman is the most thoughtful horror character. Um, and I, it, the more I learn about it and the more I think about the, these movies, the, the more I agree with that. It's, um, yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot to this character, a lot of which has been, I think also brought up, put onto the character as well. Um, which maybe even adds a layer of, 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 uh, it being more interesting, Right. I mean, like, so, I mean, like, this is a slasher movie, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's it's a slasher in, in the traditional sense. And it's like comparing to other slasher heroes or anti-heroes or villains, whatever you want to call them. It's like you got Michael Myers, who's mm-hmm. basically nothing. There's yeah. uh, Freddy Krueger, who's a monster who kills you in your dreams. But, mm-hmm. you know, Which I don't know if he... up there for those types of villains. I mean, he's terrifying. Yeah. But, yeah. again, I don't know if he's... I wouldn't describe him as thoughtful necessarily. Yeah. And uh, Jason Voorhees is like Michael Myers. He's a guy who wears a mask. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, he's a he was a kid who got killed at camp because teenagers weren't paying attention to him. But again, not necessarily metaphorical or mm-hmm. metaphorical in any way. Yeah. So I, I hear what you're saying. That that is pretty interesting to think about. Yeah. So, hi, Alan. Sean, I think we should wrap this up though. Yeah. Um, do you have any anything else you wanna wanna say about? Uh, see man yeah i mean i just i do think um you know tell everyone i think it's it's a really interesting movie um and i think people should see it it's it's entertaining um it's really thoughtful it's really creative um it's visually uh something very interesting and 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 um yeah it's it's something to see well, well, Sean, I'm glad you liked it so much. I mean, I same with me. I echo everything you're saying, and uh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I really liked it too. Mm-hmm. I, I hope people see it. Um, yeah. So next week we're gonna be doing uh, Shang Chi and the the new MCU movie. What, what's it called? Oh, <laughs> I'm I'm pretty out of uh, out of it right now. The, uh, yeah, Chang uh, the oh god, yeah. I'll, I'll look it up. No, it's called um, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Yep, there it is. So uh, that's the new MCU movie, and we're going to be talking about that next week. But I think neither of us are going to be on. I think that's going to be uh, Derek and Brandon on that one. So, so that'll be next week. And um, I think I'm coming back in two weeks to do another horror movie. So, nice. um, you know, you know, uh, you know me with those horror movies. Mm-hmm. Love it. So um, anyway, um This has been the Monthly Movie Dispatch. Thanks for listening. Like and subscribe to us on YouTube or your podcast feed. And uh, keep keep watching those movies. Mm -hmm.